This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Glenn was supposed to bring us updates from Cisco Live, but instead takes over and turns the podcast into a FlexPod infomercial. Totally worth it. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. In the studio with me today is... Andrew Sullivan. Whoa, you woke up. I'm, I, you I'm had, a cup and a half of coffee in, so... Just, that is all it takes, a cup and a half of coffee? Yeah. Lightweight. Also with us today on Skype and fresh off of a vacation, Glenn Sizemore. I'm just going to say your name because you, you're, you're still on vacation, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, is, is that my name? I don't quite remember anymore. The Glenn Sizemore, the Glenn, uh, yeah, okay, yes, yes, that is the correct pronunciation. Uh, the was, V is silent. You don't you don't typically pronounce it, but it is implicit. That's true. It's Scandinavian. Uh, <laughs> earlier, I was playing with the sounds, and I, I I came across this one. I think it's appropriate for this. He is the most interesting man in the world. Oh, Glenn I, Sizemore. I, <laughs> oh Lord, I see you found Pete's uh, Sunday morning radio soundboard. Yeah, yeah, I found that. I was just playing with the sounds like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's some fun stuff in there. All right, speaking of fun stuff, um, my understanding is that, that Glenn went to Cisco Live. Fun stuff. I think fun stuff. I think it's Fun Stuff the Show. I think that's the official name. Is there a TM after that? Uh, no, no, it's not a trademark. It's Oh, good, yeah. so we can say that on the radio. Yeah, pound sign, fun stuff the show. Yeah, pound sign. All right, um, Glenn... Since you are the lone podcast representative at Cisco Live, you're going to have to do all of the reporting. Um, and I, I'm, under, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't record a lot of stuff, if any at all. Yeah. So let's just let's just go off the top of our heads here. Yeah, yeah. So so right off the top, uh, mea culpa. This is all on me. I had the gear with me. Uh, I had people lined up. We were ready to go, and I I just I left the Tascam in the hotel. Uh, my bad. So we don't actually have audio from the show. And, and what makes this even more complicated is Cisco Live was, was a little bit of a different event for me personally because we launched a brand new solution. So uh, I, I can tell you a whole bunch about the solution that we launched and I can tell you a whole bunch about the stuff, conversations I had around it and a little bit about the other stuff that happened. But that's about it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. This is Renegade Podcast. Renegade Podcast. Yeah. Andrew. Andrew, Renegade? I got nothing. You got nothing? All right, let's start off with the newly announced product that you're, you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've talked about it on the show a little bit, uh, or at least I've alluded to it a couple of times previously. But uh, for what seems like forever, but, but in actuality has been uh, nine months, um, I have been uh, attached to a program called uh, Cisco Cloud Architecture for Microsoft Cloud Platform, CCA for MCP. And CCA... They couldn't... Wait, 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 wait. They couldn't think of a shorter name than that? <laughs> well, yeah, it's fun. This is what happens when two of the largest companies in the world decide to work together. They create, like, the longest named solutions you've ever found, ever. Yeah, I guess they needed all of their specific branding included within the name. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's run, what you're running into. You know, the, the, the MCP part, Microsoft Cloud Platform, uh, that... 
Microsoft, if you haven't figured out yet, is going through a bit of a transition. They're, they're trying to get out of the apps business and get, get strongly in, uh, footed into the cloud platform business, whether that be uh, as, a, as a hyperscaler hoster in Azure proper or as a platform company you know, with, with uh, Azure Stack and, and Windows Azure PAX uh, slant, uh, Hyper-V and System Center. Um, CCA for MCP is a collaboration between Cisco and Microsoft uh, to, to build an integrated solution uh, for service providers. So, so this is not a enterprise play. This is not you know, the FlexPod 2.0 or anything like that. Uh, it actually has dang near nothing to do with FlexPod other than the hardware that we use technically is a FlexPod. Like if you, if you looked at the rack and you added up everything in the way that it's cabled, you would just look at it and go, oh, that's a FlexPod. But, but technically it it's not branded as such um, because the, 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 the way that the solution has been as, uh, assembled. But so anyways, <laughs> all the way at the beginning, uh, Microsoft brings the, uh, their cloud platform, which is the Windows Azure Pack. Uh, this is not Stack yet. Uh, for those of you paying attention last week, Windows Azure Stack or MAZ, sorry, Microsoft Azure Stack, uh, was delayed. It was delayed uh, uh, six months in, until next year. And then Microsoft has also made the decision that initially Azure Stack is only going to be available as an integrated system. So they're not even going to make it uh, available the way the Windows Azure Pack is, a, a build-your-own-cloud for, for SPs and large enterprises. Stack initially is going to look way more like uh, the, the HCI market. So you know, at least for me personally, that, that makes it a little less interesting uh, in the short term. And, and, and for a lot of people last week, it, 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 rein, it reinvigorated interest in Windows Azure Pack, uh, which, which was something that, that, that it, particularly enterprise customers had kind of moved on on and, and, and were, were looking at the future uh, and, and trying to push forward. But it turns out that we're not quite ready yet. We need to spend a little more time in the present uh, because the future is still being iterated upon. So can we, can we play Minesweeper in uh, Solitaire on it? Well, of course, yeah, yeah. You can put, okay. yeah. Uh, okay, good, good. That means that I'll buy it. The the only thing you can't do that on is Nano, I think. You can't do that in Nano. Yeah, yeah. It, it it lacks, you know, this thing called video drivers, which is kind of important oh, yeah. for Minesweeper. Well, could you play like something like uh, Zork? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Poss possibly. Oregon Trail. No, no, definitely no. not. Although depend. Is there a PowerShell version of Oregon Drive? There should be. You should write it right now. There's probably somebody out there that's done like Oregon Trail, the REST service or the web service, and and like that. You could probably consume that from Nano, but but we're way in the weeds now. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, my fault. <laughs> uh, bringing it back on track. Yeah. Talked about Azure Stack, Azure Pack. Yeah. This is a Continue. really long. This is a really long setup, but unfortunately, it's it's a really big. Uh, it's a really big solution, uh, and we're trying to cover nine months of time in, in, in 30 minutes. So, so forgive me, listeners. Um, but so, so Windows Azure Pack uh, Cloud Platform. It's actually been out in, in market for quite a while, right? Windows Azure Pack was released in 2012. Uh, it, 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 heard it, it hit its first early access uh, and EVP programs in 2011. So this is you know, five, six years old uh, in market. It has not burnt the world down, if I'm perfectly honest. But, but the reason that it hasn't burnt the world down, at least from both uh, Cisco and NetApp's perspective, um, is because Windows Azure Pack had two kind of like glaring problems that have really kind of held it back. Uh, the, the, the first issue is the SDN stack that Microsoft baked into it is the SDN stack 
um, from from Windows Server 2012 uh, original, not even the R2 variant. It, it's built on the original, which all uses GRE encapsulation for for its its overlay networks. Uh, it, it works. It, it'll work on anything. It does not scale terribly well. Uh, and if you're a service provider and you're looking to build a massive infrastructure that you monetize, having something that doesn't scale terribly well is kind of a deal breaker. Um, so so that, 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 that's the first kind of challenge that, that, that SPs run into with uh, Windows Azure Pack. And the second, and, and what I consider to be the death blow, um, is the fact that the Windows Azure Pack has the same view of resourcing that Azure has, right? Azure has this assumption that there are, are three resources on the planet CPU, memory, uh, and storage, well, four, and network. Um, and that that storage bucket is, is just, it's treated like the others, you know, because a lot of this is our own fault. You know, we built the definition, we decided what the, 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 the bar for cloud would be, and we keep trying to build it. But uh, because we were able to simplify CPU cycles and memory allocation into just these capacity buckets, they keep trying to do the same thing for storage. But if you're an enterprise customer and you take a look at, at doing what's known as a lift and shift, I want to take my existing IT infrastructure today and I want to lift it up and I want to shift it into someone else's infrastructure. I want to get out of the IaaS business, out of the, 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 the general hosting day-to-day uh, -day tier zero administration business and I just want to go up the stack a little bit, focus on the actual apps that, that the business relies upon, that sort of jazz. When you try to do that and you shift into this, this world where storage is just a singular note, right? It doesn't have any dynamics. It's really hard to control your costs. And, and very quickly, you end up in a world where either your applications are too slow, right? You lifted and shifted, and now the SLAs are being breached. You're not getting the performance that you're used to. And or you run into the other problem, which is you lifted and shifted, and all of a sudden, now it's way more expensive, right? So for both of these, these two critical flaws, that th these were kind of the anchors that, that, in my experience over the past five years, have continuously made Windows Azure Pack a challenge um, for enterprises. And, and it's not something that a ton of SPs have dived into, although it, it's not completely absent from the market. I actually think that, that, although I haven't done the research on this, so I shouldn't make this statement, but I'll make it anyways. Uh, I, I think OpenStack and Windows Azure Pack are a lot closer than people really want to talk about. Um, for, from a real adoption perspective. Um, it's just a matter of getting your hands on those statistics and, and the way that it's measured, uh, that people like to break those markets up and treat them as they're separate, um, and, and they measure them independently. But, but if you look at the core capability perspective, right, they're both capable of offering IaaS, SaaS, and PaaS. They both have the same tenancy controls. They both have the same billing controls. They're built on two completely different stacks. But from a what-can-the-service-provider-do perspective, they're very analogous. Um, and for th those reasons, I like to, to lump them together a little bit. But Windows Azure Pack had these challenges, right? So Cisco and Microsoft partnered to go try to fix it and to go close these gaps and, and, and build the Microsoft Cloud Platform into something that was much more aggressive and, and, and much more uh, friendly to, to their service provider customers. And, they, and out of that came the Cisco Cloud Architecture, for Microsoft Cloud Platform. It is a variant of the Microsoft Cloud Platform that, that relies upon uh, Cisco ACI. So we're using ACI as the SDN technology and then brings in a resource provider to plug into 
uh, the Windows Azure Pack, which extends Windows Azure Pack to include the end tenant controls for for that ACI overlay technology for, for that networking. So thereby we solve the complexity of the networking. You know, and I'm not going to get into the 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 crazy in depth uh, of how that that actually works. Just know that it's way better. <laughs> um, but where we can get into the in-depths, if you guys are interested, uh, is what we've done on the storage side. So, you know, I, I mentioned before that the problem with Windows Azure Pack is that storage is OneNote. And the reason that it's OneNote, again, is because the way that the system is built, it's actually not possible for a service provider to offer two different tiers or service levels of storage and to let a tenant control where their data resides. Uh, that 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 granularity is something that the system is just completely blind to and the architecture does not account for in any way, shape or form. Uh, they, they, they just assumed, as I said, that storage was just going to be one bucket, just like memory is one bucket. So to solve that, we've actually gone off and, and, and done what we traditionally consider to be the service provider's job. You know, if you go in and talk to someone who, who plays a lot in the quote-unquote service provider space, uh, depending on where their customers are in the, the life cycle, they're either still in the 2004-2006 uh, uh, space, which was all about integration, right? Just give me your API. I don't want your GUI. Don't give me your management stacks. Just give me your API. I've got my own developers. I'm going to build it, Right. That was the attitude that a lot of that, well, actually, the entire service provider market had um, back in that time. And, and there's still a lot of SPs that operate like that. You know, I had, I had just a ton of meetings with them last week. But that's not everybody. Uh, because here's the thing when you build that integration layer, that is where all of the risk resides, that's where all of the expenses. That's where all of the, the bugs are, all of the customer SAT issues, just everything that goes wrong with these solutions happens at that integration layer where you glue two things together. It's where all the complexity lives. Um, so for that reason, the service provider community is actually starting to push back on the vendor space. You know, they're starting to come back. There are still those guys out there that, that just have API will travel. They want to do their own thing. But you'd probably be surprised how many of them are showing up these days going, hey, can you just build this for me? Like, I don't want to build it. I just want to run it. How about you build it and build it with me in mind and then I'll just run it. That's, that's really the desire of where a lot of our service provider customers are trying to get. Um, and, and so we've gone out to try to do that. And, and that's exactly what, what I've been doing. We wrote NetApp's integration into the Microsoft Cloud Platform, i.e. we have produced a Windows Azure Pack resource provider, which plugs into the Windows Azure Pack and extends the Windows Azure Pack schema to understand the concept of application-aligned storage or, the, or differentiated storage tiers. And now I'm going to shut up because I've been talking for 20 minutes, guys. So, Glenn, how does that relate to something like uh, maybe... OpenStack Cinder or VMware vVols, right? Is there an equivalent technology yeah. that we can compare this to? Yeah, it's fascinating that you say that because that's that's quite possibly where the, you know, I, I, op I open this up by saying I think they're very similar. This is one place where they're, they're completely different. 
OpenStack, because it, it, it's built upon the concept of services, everything is a service, and, and you plug services together to create offerings, right? Um, because that was the, the core construct that OpenStack was built upon, uh, and we had service-oriented uh, people who were, who were writing the integration from day one, um, that's how everything works over on that side of the house. So yeah, you know, Cinder is storage as a service, block storage as a service. And, and there are very many offerings that can understand how to consume that. The way that the Windows Azure pack works is you have this thing called a private cloud. And a private cloud is a logical chunk of resources to include storage, memory, and network. And then you assigned tenants to that cloud resource and then what the Windows Azure pack does is it controls soft, you know, through, through logical policies, how much any given tenant is allowed to consume that private cloud resource. So we're not, the, the concept of quote unquote services is not as ingrained to what, what, what Windows Azure pack does. And, and this is kind of one of those, this is more of a WAP versus OpenStack conversation, but this is one of the trade-offs, uh, and, and it's debatable as to which one is better because whilst getting something like storage as a service into the Windows Azure pack took NetApp going off and, and doing some pretty hardcore engineering to figure out how to get this to work in the first place and then design it so that, it, so that it's, 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 it's ready to go. Because remember, this is a tenant-facing entity, right? This is something that we give to service provider customers, and they then put this in between their infrastructure and the people who pay them. So we have to, ha this has to have the polish and the readiness of something that our customers can go monetize on day one. Uh, that's an incredibly high bar to hit, and it's very, very, very difficult. But so what, what does this mean for the service providers? Essentially, are they, so they, they put this in between their infrastructure, right, the NetApp storage and the customers. Are they able to define like gold, silver, bronze, yep. plastic cardboard policies and then surface that up as maybe a, a, a pool of each one of those, right, pool, capacity pool or maybe IOPS pool? That the, that the service provider customers can use? Yeah, great question. So let's get into how it actually works um, because it's both, uh, I like to think it's both sim uh, incredibly simple and uh, just the right level of sophisticated. So uh, when we quote unquote add storage to the, the resource provider and a CCA for MCP solution, um, what, we, what we do is we register, uh, I've been calling them protocol endpoints the past week and a half because it's probably the most accurate term, uh, although I know that has a lot of Vvol's connotation, so I need to come up with a new name for it. Uh, but we register a combination of cluster, storage virtual machine, and protocol uh, into a plan. The plans are how you offer services inside the Windows Azure pack. Based on those three assumptions, the system will then go discover what what and I'm making air quotes now, air quote tiers of storage are available on that storage target. So, for, you know, let's say we've got an SVM with two aggregates on it and we, we have, uh, I'll get into this in more detail in a second, but we've tagged uh, agar one as platinum and agar two as gold, you know, what have you. When we add that cluster into a plan, the system will then discover the fact that, oh, I've got Platinum storage and gold storage available that, that can be included in this plan. They're options, right? So then as a service provider, if, I'm, if I want to construct a plan for a given tenant, 
I then just go in and I would set the configuration on those tiers and, and the configuration that we, that, that, that we require only three values. All right. We need to know the uh, starting quota, how much capacity you want to make available to the tenant when they, when they subscribe to the service initially. We need to know the backend volume size. How large of a container do you want to manage as a service provider? You know, how big do you want the volumes to grow? Uh, and we need to know an IOP to gigabyte ratio because everything that, that the resource provider does has a quality of service policy behind it. Uh, and we've done enough shows uh, on this that, that I think that the two of you and our listeners probably already know what that IOP to gigabyte ratio setting does, um, but, but I'm sure we'll get into it as well. So that's it. That's all that goes into it, right? You give us a, a starting quota, a volume size, and a gigabit to IOP ratio. Um, and then when a tenant subscribes to a service, the system will go based on what the plan has been configured. You know, okay, this tenant has 100 gigabytes of platinum and a terabyte of gold storage. So let me go find an aggregate that I can put the platinum volume on. I'll provision the volume, I'll create the storage, and then I'll mount it all the way up into Hyper-V and System Center, making sure that it's available everywhere that it needs to be so that the service can consume it, right? And then it'll do the same thing for gold. And across the board, because this was built for service providers, everything is an end-to-end -end system. So you want to put 27 different cluster data on tap clusters in there with 100 different SVMs and 500 different tier definitions, go nuts. You're going to have a hard time making your service catalog something that's comprehensible that your tenants can understand. But from an architecture perspective, there's nothing preventing it. So, so two questions for you, Glenn. Uh, so one, does this remove some of the edge that service providers have, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, previously it's, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to hire the best OpenStack talent that's out there because those guys can come in and they can make OpenStack do things that other people can't do. And therefore, I can differentiate my service, right? So does this homogenize those service provider offerings? And then the second question is, does can, can I take a an Azure pack application and uh, with little or no effort, move it into Azure proper? Okay, two fantastic questions. Uh, the first one, the answer is it depends. So, and, and this kind of gets into the difference between uh, OpenStack and Windows Azure Pack again. Uh, the, the trick with OpenStack is getting it to do those things in the first place, right? And getting everything to interplay correctly um, so, so, that, so that all your templates are just pulling and, and the, the services are provisioning. Um, all the extensibility is there, but the glue in between is the complexity. With the Windows Azure Pack, the complexity that is the glue has been solved, uh, and it's been solved by giving you a slightly more restricted platform. You know, we have the ability to do two things. We can do, uh, from, from a generic uh, IaaS and PaaS perspective, um, we, we, we can, well, okay, so you've got just the generic IaaS stuff, which is, it's interesting. Everybody has to have infrastructure as a service like it's a checkbox that is absolutely required. And what's, what's fascinating is it's a checkbox that literally no one cares about. Like the, the enterprise tenants don't care about it. The service provider doesn't care about it. Like nobody cares about it. There's, there's, there's no interest or time in, in the ability to host virtual machines. It's just like, yes, you can do that. Move on. 
So let's get into the interesting stuff, which is your PaaS instances. When you start to come in as a platform and you start to offload uh, the, the, the administrative functions of, of uh, a given tenant. Here, Windows Azure Pack has some really interesting capabilities because it has this thing that it's called gallery resource items. And it extends System Center Virtual Machine Manager's native application deployment capabilities, which is complete for anything Microsoft. Now, listen, you're not deploying SnapDrive in there, but you know if you want to deploy a database server or IIS or you know, any, anything .NET related, you know, the native tools are present for you to do so as a turnkey PaaS instance. And then all of this is exposed directly to the tenants through a very friendly uh, HTML5 interface. So, you know, the answer is it depends. Your mileage may vary. It depends on how you're providing value as an SP. If the value is gluing five or six different services together into a, a composite uh, service offering, then no, you're probably going to continue to differentiate with OpenStack and Windows Azure Pack whilst potentially saving a little bit of money from an operational perspective and from a licensing perspective, you know, may, may remove some of those, those, those differentiators. But on the other side of the house is what we find more often, which is a service provider that is heavily invested in either OpenStack, KVM, or vSphere, but has tenants or, or potential customers that, that, quite frankly, are demanding Hyper-V. They want the Microsoft stack. You know, as hard as this is for some listeners to believe, these, te- these people do exist. Uh, they're, they're, Microsoft is one of those companies that, that draws uh, fanboyism on both sides. People who hate it for the very name and people who will only use it and nothing else. And I think both ends of those extremes are idiotic. But, but nevertheless, they exist and you need to do business with them. Um, so, so what CCA for MCP really does is it removes all of the risk for a service provider who has no Microsoft expertise, who has to be able to satisfy those requirements, right? Because this is, you can almost think of it as a, a service provider solution as a CI. Um, and then what was the second question, Sully? <laughs> can, can you move applications ah. from Azure, Azure Pack to Azure proper? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, the answer to that is no. Uh, this is the difference between Windows Azure Pack and Microsoft Azure Stack. Windows Azure Pack is an Azure-like portal that, that is put on top of System Center. So it's still System Center behind the scenes. System Center is still your, your management orchestration platform. Um, and System Center is allowing you to consume heterogeneous hardware, multiple different storage vendors, multiple different server vendors, multiple different network vendors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Microsoft Azure Stack is Azure, right? Uh, and, 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 and with it comes all of that complexity. So, so not today. Today, it's still kind of a, a hybrid solution. You know, there are SP partners that do it. They do it with services uh, like um, Azure Site Recovery, ASR, which we've talked about previously on the show. Uh, that is, is compatible with, with Windows Azure Pack, but that's really just doing Hyper-V replica uh, directly from the hypervisor into the Azure cloud uh, using software replication. So it's not the most efficient thing, although we can offload bulk data transport with SnapMirror. We still can't offload the OS drive, uh, so, so that is still you know, co- copy-based uh, replication. It's, it's not perfect, but, but, but it's something that continues to be worked upon. Which, interestingly, that is one of those, those, those places where... Uh, we're, we're potentially making a difference um, because, you know, of course, as, as you two know, data fabric is a pretty big thing for NetApp. 
right? It, it, it drives a lot of what we do from an engineering perspective. Um, and now that we have this solution where we've essentially productized, or not essentially, we have, you know, we've productized tiered storage for a service provider um, and, we, and we've done so with monetization in mind, you know, not, not just a, hey, look, wouldn't this be cool? Here's a feature that the, uh, that the storage operating system can support, but, but more along the lines of what costs, is, what, what costs a hoster money? You know, where, where does the expense come from? What do they have to buy? What are the reoccurring expenses? And, and, and what could we do as a vendor to control those, to, to either reduce the initial startup costs uh, and or risk, and then potentially to, to, to find some profits down the line, you know, to, to, to increase those, those, those uh, gains later on. And this started for us with application-aligned storage because based on our own experience, the thing that was missing was differentiated storage tiers. Again, if you go and you take a look at your enterprise customers today, they don't have one type of storage. They have somewhere between three and seven different types of storage, right? And, and if you're looking at moving that entire customer, it, it, getting out of the data center business, removing the on-prem infrastructure as much as possible, getting it down to the 40% that's not going away ever um, per Intel's latest numbers. If we want to do that, then one of the ways that one of the things that we have to do is we have to be able to provide large enterprises with the same types of controls that they had on-prem. And today on-prem, they're running ACI and they have de seven different storage tiers that have seven different price points. So if you want to bring that into a pure hosting environment, you need to, you need to provide like-for-like -like services and you need to be able to give them the controls to control their costs. So you've mentioned service providers quite a bit. Is this... Is it something that an enterprise would be interested in, whether it's large enterprise or, or medium, right? Or, or is it just a service provider targeted offering? So it's, fa it's, it's really fascinating for me. Um, someone who's spent way more time with enterprises than SPs in, in my past, if I'm perfectly honest. Although uh, I've never, ever since, for the past five years I've been at NetApp, uh, service providers have, at least once a year, I've had a project where I go and work with one of them for a couple of months. And it's always one of my favorite things. Um, so, so just focusing on them exclusively for the better almost a year has been a lot of fun for me professionally. Um, we've run into a lot of enterprises that take a look at this, particularly when, when this past week at Cisco Live where we were demoing it for the first time. We were actually showing the interface and explaining how it worked. Um, there were a lot of enterprise customers that were looking at it going, wow, that's really interesting. We could use something like that. because, And it makes sense, right? Uh, enterprises are trying to become service providers. So something that, was, that, that has been designed for a service provider would appeal to those large enterprises. Now, having said that, it's, it's, it's been designed for SPs. You know, as such, for instance, it's not a product. You know, it's not on now. You cannot go download this. Um, you have to be a NetApp partner. Uh, to, to get it, right? Uh, and, and you need to be a service provider. Um, now, now, it's not closed and it's really easy to get in. If, if, if you're listening to this and you're going, man, how do I find out more? Simple. Uh, go to netapp.com forward slash service provider, uh, Cisco Cloud Architecture for Microsoft Cloud Platforms, the very top link on that page. Uh, or if you'd like, you can just email us at ng-ask-netapp-cca at netapp.com. 
Um, and, and we're happy to provide more information or talk to you. But for right now, this really is, you need to be a service provider. Uh, we're not ready to, to, to give this to enterprises yet. Don't you think you could uh, leverage a service design team uh, for this sort of thing? I mean, couldn't they get involved and, and actually roll it out for enterprise customers? So it's, 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 it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, service design is actually one of the things that we kind of rely upon. Uh, now, we don't use Kitchen Police. Kitchen Police is the software that uh, Evan's team uses when they come through and they do a service design workshop. Um, but, but we use the same concept of IO density and uh, the, the, the same concept of allocating uh, IOPS equivalently with, with capacity. So as you hand out gigabytes, we're also handing out IOPS from, from a quality of service perspective. Um, so a service design workshop is, is something that often comes along with CCA and our early customers. Uh, we, we've either done a workshop ourselves because the customer was too far along in the process and we needed to slip one in there, uh, or we've connected them to the team early on uh, well, well, well before uh, the, 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 the place of getting a bomb. Because these solutions, they're, they're, you're not building an infrastructure. And, and that's what makes the service provider community in a lot of ways way more fun. It also makes it way more challenging. You know, with an enterprise, you've got a budget and then they're trying to get as much capability for that budget as they can potentially get. So you just eke out as much as you can possibly get. You know, more storage efficiency means the storage will last longer. Uh, but faster CPUs means that we're going to be able to, to, the apps are going to run a little bit faster, that sort of stuff. A service provider has to look at the monetization of that infrastructure. They have to take a look at, well, if I'm spending a million today and it's going to cost me half a million a year to run it, right? Well, then how the hell am I going to make $4 million over the next four years off of this purchase? Because if I don't, then it's a failure and everyone doesn't have a job anymore. And it's kind of a big deal, right? So, so it's a very different problem. And when you're looking at that side of the house, you just you can't buy faster storage because you can afford it. You have to buy faster storage because someone's going to pay you for it. Because there's you you can you can eke out an additional service or an additional offering from it. So, different world, and because of that, it's it's not really uh, appropriate for the two to cross. And absolutely, man, the, the service design guys are they're how we're doing this right now because they're the people who have the expertise. So Cisco Live. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. We we walked into this thinking we were going to talk about Cisco Live, and instead we talked about things that were more interesting. I, well, that was basically Cisco Live for me. So I, Cisco Live for me was, uh, it, it was the, the joke inside the booth was uh, there were 28,000 people at Cisco Live. 20,000 of them were CCIEs. <laughs> and we had to wade through 20,000 uh, networking professionals who wanted to talk to us about MPLS strategies uh, to find the 8,000 infrastructure people. Uh, and of the 8,000, there was probably maybe 500 real infrastructure data center architects uh, that, that, that were out there. Um, but, but those Cisco Live, like a VMworld, is one of those shows where you can find the guy who's in charge of everything. You, know, you can sit down and have a real conversation with the person who's got really scary, hard problems that are going to take years to fix. Uh, and those are always the best. Those are always the most fun conversations you can possibly have in this business. All right. So, Glenn, um, you've successfully done an entire show of plugging your product. Yes, sir. That's what I do. But, but NetApp is a portfolio company. 
So who else was in the booth with you, and what else? What other conversations were being had? Oh man, way to call me out. No, that's cool. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. I'll call you out whenever you need me. To. <laughs> Uh, no, we had everybody at the show, of course, right? So we had the full FlexPod team there present, uh, although as, as clearly as I stated, I didn't have a lot of those conversations. Um, they were very busy. Uh, we, were, we were there with Avnet showing off the FSA1, uh, which is a new capability that, that we have where we can uh, ship FlexPods uh, in fixed SKUs using an inc- extremely accelerated order pipeline. Uh, we were also showing off the FlexPod design automation tool, uh, which is an extension of Lanamark and a, a design assessment utility that's that's out in industry that lets us do data-driven assessments for FlexPod installations so that we can go into an enterprise and we can actually do a discovery and just figure out, okay, based upon your current infrastructure, this is how much FlexPod you need. Uh, and we can actually, you know, custom order all of that stuff. Um, and then uh, at the other end of that, of course, is our new lifecycle management program, where if you choose to, as a partner... Uh, you can uh, start to offer up uh, perpetual flex pods. You know where where the the core infrastructure team uh, will will handle all upgrade guidance and uh, testing from from you know now until whenever you know whenever the the market tells us that they don't want this anymore. Uh, so so all of that's up and running. Uh, Cisco Live. Uh, some of that we actually released at Cisco Live EMEA, so it's not brand new. Some of this we've talked about before, but but it was all huge at the show. Just lots and lots and lots of meetings, uh, lots of customer uh, contact, and then talking about what's going on in the market. Uh, we also released and showed off uh, FlexPod with infrastructure automation, which again we've talked about on the podcast before, but that was a, a prominent member. Um, and then finally, last but certainly not least, you know, we had SolidFire. So we were showing off the the new toys, man. We were we were we were demoing V-Vols. Uh, we we had the storage janitor up on stage explaining what V-Vols were uh, to to a bunch of network guys, which was always fun. What's funny about the name storage janitor is he kind of looks like a janitor on purpose. On purpose. On purpose. You got to love Andy, man. That guy. Uh, that he, guy should, rocks. he should walk around with a mop. He should totally do that. He, he totally should. Um, and, and speaking of which, uh, of course, Amy was there with Pop Up Tech Talks. So keep your eyes on popuptechtalks.com. Oh, yeah. You were on one of those, weren't you? I was. Um, and more, more shameless promotion. Um, but actually, no, there was, a, there was a bunch of people who came through. And I think those are going to start posting pretty soon. So keep an eye on that. Excellent. We'll make sure to post those and retweet in social media it pound sign cool stuff pound sign cool stuff but now it was a great show uh we had a, a just a ton tons of conversations all over the place uh one of my favorite conversations uh, uh we'll, we'll we'll exit on this um we randomly found that this gentleman on the show floor uh just just the kind the kinds of people that you can find at events like this uh, the, this gentleman was responsible uh, for the infrastructure of a, air quotes, small church in, in the southeast, um, which would have 26 services over the weekend uh, at six different sites servicing 35,000 people uh, in the facility with well over 100,000 live streams uh, running concurrently from the services. You, did, did we, I sat down and talked to this guy for about an hour and a half, and he's essentially built Akamai <laughs> because the amount of streaming video load uh, that these services have, 
uh, we ended up having a really fascinating conversation about flex groups and how we can offload some of the, so the problems that he's having with his current scale out storage solution. Uh, and, and it potentially could, could resolve all of his issues. But, you know, just an example of the kinds of people you run into. You just turn a corner and here's this really friendly guy. You talk to him for 20 minutes and find out he's got 100 terabytes of storage and he needs to sustain, you know, gigabits of throughput. <laughs> it's like, okay, Wait, well, actually, so I, I can help you. <laughs> so let's back up here. You, you told him about flex groups. Interesting. I like that. I, I thought you would since it uses NFS. But yeah, just conversations all over the place, man. Uh, a typical NetApp show. You know, we're, we're, turns out data management touches absolutely every single aspect of this, this industry. So we get involved with everything at some point. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap Podcast team, thanks for listening. Maroon 5, eh? Yeah. Um, do not, oh, but, yeah. but I got to tell you, that, that new hockey venue in Vegas, that, that place is terrible. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like... Seeing Maroon 5 on Cisco's Dime. Hey, good on you, Cisco. That was a great show. But, man, that venue is terrible. They, they sounded me? muddled. It was weird. Just... Did you throw oh, your uh, panties on stage? I did. I did. It's good. Good. I think, I I think you I have to. I think it's you have Adam to. Adam Levine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's dreamy. Yeah.